Hey, welcome to Optimize Your Body with Martin Silva, where we talk raw, uncut facts to truly help you optimize your body. Hey, Ben. How you doing over there, mate, in uh, in the wet UK? Nice? Mate, I've got a jacket on. It's all good. Weather's just another obstacle in life. Exactly. Yeah, we've got it e- easy over here in Sydney, mate. I mean, it's like uh, in the winter, it's like, you know, warmer than the average uh, UK summer. But having said that, you had a lovely summer, didn't you? This year? We did, yeah. Very spoiled. I will not complain. I will not do the British thing and be a weather moaner. No, no. It's just not worth it, is it? You just gotta just gotta, you know, suck it up and crack on with it. Hundred percent. Yeah. So uh yeah, if you could just give us if you don't mind, just give us a little bit of a heads up on on your story, Ben, because uh, you know, I've been I've been listening to your podcast now for a solid few years. It's one of the first podcasts I listened to and um it's, it's outstanding. I've learned so much. And uh, yeah, I know you have a really fascinating story, mate. So if you just quickly run through, yeah, your story, really, mate. Sure. So essentially, it all started at 18. I was obese, unhappy, unhealthy, had IBS, ADHD, eczema, asthma, loads of stuff going on. And I just kind of had this realization moment where I felt I needed to change to be more successful in my career. I was venturing into a career in acting and I just felt that I needed to be fit healthy and essentially like better looking um for my career path so went on a journey to get healthier and fitter wasn't really working was hitting a lot of roadblocks was doing all the traditional stuff like going for a run and kind of eating better and just sort of following you know the UK's eat well play guidelines and stuff and you know, uh, after a long period of effort, about five months, I reckon I'd lost about five or six pounds and got into an argument one day with my brother. You know, I was bullying him and he, he sort of reacted. And this kind of reaction was like a real stark kind of like intervention. I needed to really look at my results and I needed to stop like moaning that it wasn't happening, all that kind of stuff. And I ended up um, flipping this on his head because I wasn't a member of a gym. I was like, right, I'll go and join a gym. Joined a gym fell in the hands of a great trainer. He recommended a book to me, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy by Paul Check. Went away, bought the book, read it in the space of a week. He changed my training so it wasn't all just running, and I started doing some weights and that kind of stuff. And I lost uh, about five and a half stone over the course of six or so months, and that was just life-changing for me in and of itself. And from that point forward, I left a career of acting. I trained to become a personal trainer and a nutritionist. Since then, I ventured into the online space where I coach, I teach. I do a lot of public speaking. We have an education company. We have a supplement company. And, yeah, so 32 now, I think. And, yeah, it all started at 18. And that's kind of the journey, skipping over a few details. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So along that journey, along the way, even what challenges and difficulties did you face, you know, going from fat to fit? Because if I remember rightly, yeah, as you said, you lost, you lost like, I don't know, five stone, which for the listeners in kilos, I don't know, about 35 kilos there and about. And then you obviously built something like another 18 to 20 kilos of muscle. So you completely transformed your, your whole life and your body. You know, how how did you manage, like, what, what challenges and setbacks did you face along the way? Because no doubt there must have been some. And, you know, what advice do you have for someone who is maybe facing the same same kind of issues? 
any point in our journey, we sort of have a perception of self. So when I was overweight, I had this perception that I was overweight, unhappy, unhealthy. Then when I got slim, I was kind of like still half of that person. Mm-hmm. And so, sorry to interrupt. Man, I, th- I think the, uh, the, the yeah, kind of signal's gone a little bit there, like it's gone a bit. You didn't change anything then, did you, mate? No, no, no. I haven't touched anything. Oh, okay. That's all right. So, sorry to interrupt, mate. It just went, it's gone a bit like the line's gone a bit funny. So that's all right, man. Just, um, yeah, right. just, sorry, you were saying, mate. Um, yeah, so you get to a point in your journey where, you know, you, you've changed and you've half changed mentally. And when you're lean, like, you don't need to get any leaner, but you're constantly in this state of, like, you know, you're scared to put on body weight and stuff and making a shift from being kind of getting lean mindset to being performance mindset was probably my biggest transition, biggest mindset. But, and it took quite a while to learn that I needed to eat more to then fuel myself. And I see that with a lot of my clients that I coach today. Like they, they do really struggle with that because, again, you get caught in a pattern. You get caught in a pattern of eating less and doing a certain amount of exercise to get to a goal. And understandably, it's hard to shift that goal again. But this is where I didn't get in sort of touch and get friendly with the science of nutrition and training enough. Like I was still doing a lot of guest work. Um, you know, my journey to losing all that weight, I went on a low carb diet. And while that was successful for me, it doesn't mean it's right and scientifically correct. And it didn't properly validate the reasons why I lost weight. So I lost weight through essentially cutting carbohydrates out of my diet. Now, I needed to have more of those back in my diet to improve my physical performance. But I was kind of of this mindset that, you know, if I bring them back in, they're going to make me overweight. So it wasn't until I started really to study sports nutrition where my mindset evolved and it, it flipped. And I started to say, well, all right, well, let's understand calories more. Let's understand these macronutrients more. Let's understand how much energy I actually burn in a training session. Let's understand the effects of a weight session, a cardio session, a HIIT session. And now I can better manage my nutrition. And, you know, I got closer with the numbers. I started to look at the detail more and I got very detail orientated. And then I kind of backed off when I realized I didn't need as much detail. So that was probably the biggest mindset set shift for me because I've changed a lot physically and I don't think my, my mental state had really come along uh, at the same rate. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I can, I can totally identify with that because, uh, I was, fortunately I wasn't uh, in a state where I was ever obese, but I built up a really bad relationship with food. Um, kind of as a result from doing lots, lots of, uh, competitions like uh, bodybuilding competitions, photo shoots, and much like yourself, I wasn't really well-versed when it comes to the science side of it. So I was like, similar to yourself, I was cutting the carbs down and not fueling my body and and seeking out enough nutrients. So I can, I can totally relate to that. And just bouncing off what you said there is, as we know, we notice on social media now, like it's kind of like a body positive kind of vibe, which is like sweeping across social media, right? Everyone is always putting their best foot forward. And essentially it's, it's delusional, right? So a lot of people tend to look at whenever they go on their feed, you know, a lot of people are just bombarded with, uh, you know, images of people looking, um, you know, tip top if you like, or at least in their head they are. So yeah, what are your thoughts on, you know, the, the current industry and with social media? And as I say, the, the kind of, it is definitely not, I don't think doing any favors as far as the body image issues people have, 
you know, when it comes to them comparing themselves to other people and stuff. So, yeah, what's your thoughts on that, Ben? So we definitely have a bit of a problem, but the reality is social media can be negative and it can be positive. Mm. So there's an awful lot of people out there promoting the wrong messages, the wrong images, and the flip side of that is there's also a lot of people promoting the right kind of messages and the right kind of images, etc. So let's right now question anyone's use or the content they follow on social media. If, if you and me were to open up our Instagram feed right now, what do we see? Are we seeing anything that makes us angry or sad or question our beliefs, morals and values? If so, unfollow that content because it's not serving you as a person. So while we can sit here and can complain about how social media makes us feel, we are actually in control of what we follow, and I think people forget that. So on this journey of um, building this kind of digital ecosystem that we're now surrounded by every day, social media, email, like the digital world is here to stay. When we follow things online, we accumulate people and things so we follow people we like facebook pages but we all have the power to go and unlike facebook pages unfollow people if they're not serving our journey so i did a big uh, video piece on social media a couple of weeks ago and i said you know um go away and look at your social media is it a positive influence are you scrolling past 15 posts before you get to a post where it's actually adding value and positivity to your life if so, you may need to go and unfollow those 15 people because they're just no longer serving while you're using social media. So like I follow about, if you go to my Instagram, I follow about 100 people, just over 100 people. Anymore, I can't keep up, like it's not relevant. And there's only so many things right now I'm interested in. So if you've looked at my Instagram feed two years ago, it's probably different to how it is now because I've evolved as a person. I'm interested in different things. And it's like anything. If we want to change our habits and our routines, we have to change our home environment. We maybe need to change the gym that we go to. We maybe need to change the books that we're reading and the coach we're following or getting advice from. And the same is, needs to be done with social media. You need to keep shaping that environment that is now a massive part of our lives because the reality is, according to the data, we are now on our phones on average two hours a day. Now, that's a massive amount of time. If you're not managing and shaping and controlling that ecosystem, then you're leaving yourself susceptible to being influenced by messages, images, values that you don't want to be influenced by. Mm. Yeah, you put that really well, Ben, really well. And I, yeah, you were saying about people being on their phone for around about two hours a day. I think, yeah, I think that's social media alone. I think it's averaging about two and a half hours a day. I'm not sure if you've read that book, Ben, Irresistible by Adam Alter. I haven't, no. Yeah, because uh, he states everything in there and uh, it's a minimum. The average is a minimum of two and a half hours of social media. Yeah, so you're totally right. And it comes down to whatever you're putting into your, wherever you're listening to and uh, feeding your brain with, obviously podcasts, you know, you, you're following people on Instagram. That is essentially molding and shaping your brain. So, yeah, you put that really well, mate. Thanks for that. And, yeah, on that note, I was going to ask you about, because I noticed you, you do get a little bit of pushback here and there. Um, you know, I'm totally with you in terms of um, your your kind of your concepts when it comes to food, building a healthy relationship with food and nutrition and how important it is to eat whole foods and seek out nutrients and stuff like that. But there's there's a lot of people out there. I'm not going to mention any names, um, you know, and a lot of them respectively that, you know, they're, they're experts in their field. But 
they are very much hell-bent on uh, calorie control and, you know, if it fits your macros kind of thing. And, you know, we both, you and I both know how important it is to actually control your calories. You know, it is, it is pretty much the be-all and end-all when it comes to, uh, when it comes to you know, weight gain or, or, or weight loss, wherever it is, wherever your goals are. Calories are important. I get that. But when it comes to people promoting just the calories and focusing purely on that and, you know, it doesn't really matter so much what you eat. The most important thing is your calories. Obviously, it does make a difference, you know. Um, artificial sweeteners and stuff like that as well can be very harmful. So, yeah, what are your what are your thoughts on that? On that, mate, and you know, like the importance of whole foods and actually focusing on nutrients um, as well as calories. So, many people have, and we picked up on this earlier, a disordered relationship with food, mm-hmm. and we definitely live in an environment where we're struggling to control our calorie consumption. You know, we're all going out of the weekend, we're having fun, we're going around friends and family. You know, we don't plan our food enough and we get caught out and then we're in a a Starbucks grabbing a sandwich and a packet of crisps and then we get a mocha frappuccino that's got, you know, 300 calories in it and stuff. So as you've mentioned, calories are very important. The calories that we eat are also very important. Like if people don't want to leave themselves more susceptible to, you know, lifestyle related diseases, and there are many of them, you know, heart disease, diabetes, these are all preventable to a degree. Don't get me wrong, there's genetics involved and a few other things, but most of these things are lifestyle related. So everyone has the power to influence that, but we need to be aware of all these different environments that are tripping us up. So most people, if you ask them, are aware that they eat too much and maybe they eat some of the wrong foods and that kind of stuff. But people have to now stand back and ask themselves, why is that? What am I not doing in my lifestyle that's given me enough control of, of, the, of those environments? So I um, was chatting on my Instagram story yesterday where I was telling everyone that I really indulged this weekend, went out for a big meal with um, my wife because we hadn't been out for a while together. So we had a lovely meal out. Then on Sunday, we had my mum around for breakfast. Um, We went out and had a big roast dinner with a cheese board with some of my other family. And I overate. And I I just said to my Instagram story, I'm like, I'm not going to get upset about this. I'm not going to feel guilty or anything like that. I'm just going to do something about it. I'm in control. So what do I need to do now that I've overindulged? Well, I need to go away and kind of almost underindulge. So Monday, yesterday, I ate about a thousand calories less than I needed to. And today I'm, I'm pretty much back to where I need to be. So not enough people are standing back and looking at the control that they have and planning far enough in advance to keep that control. If you know you're going out for a big meal on Saturday night, look to control that variable. Don't just go, oh, you know, oh, shit happens. Like I'm just going to eat whatever and they'd be upset about it on Sunday. You are in control. We're all in control of it. So um, calories are important. Nutrients are important. We are all in control. And it comes back to the social media kind of analogy that we just we just looked at like spend enough time on your problems the amount of people that i speak to and i'm like this problem you're asking me about how much time have you actually spent working out why this problem exists you haven't you've just gone oh i've got this problem i'll google it or i'll ask a friend or i'll just hope it sort itself out no sit down if most people are really honest with themselves they know the answer to most of their problems like if you weren't sleeping well at night and you spent 10 minutes with a piece of pen and paper and wrote down all the reasons why you think you're not sleeping well at night, 
you'd probably work out why that is. Maybe your bedroom's too hot. Maybe your mind's busy before you go to sleep. Maybe your your partner's, you know, chewing your ear off and giving you too much pillow talk. Maybe you've got Netflix on too long. Like all these problems are there staring us in the face, but we just don't spend any time problem solving them anymore because we're attached to our phones. We're watching telly. We live in a Google generation where we're just like, oh, I just Google the problem. And, you know, for me, the problem's are really, really easily solvable if you spend the time sorting them out. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Self-awareness um, is key, isn't it? So, yeah, I, I, can, I can relate to that as well because um, i done the same on the weekend. I ended up uh, overeating a lot, actually, more than I have in a while. And, yeah, just the, the following day on Sunday, I didn't, I didn't actually eat too much on the Sunday, but I pulled it back a bit. For example, I just fasted in the morning, trained, uh, and then I, I kind of maybe overeat a little bit actually on Sunday, tell a lie. <laughs> but um, yeah, then then come Monday, you're in control, as you said, and um, you've just got to underindulge then. Yeah, because I, I think is Ben, I have this kind of uh, conversation with clients, um, you know, quite regular. You know how it is as a personal trainer. And yeah, so a lot of the time they will kind of just sabotage on the weekends because a lot of people lose control on the weekends. But then a lot of them now are coming to terms with the fact that actually I'm in control. Monday, Tuesday, I can pretty much underindulge a little and I'm back on track. So, yeah, you, you, you simplified that really well there, mate. And, yeah, on to the, uh, the next one. I was going to ask you about the fitness industry now and some kind of business-related uh, questions now. But, yeah, so obviously being a businessman and watching how much the fitness industry has evolved and especially with the emergence of social media, as we've uh, touched upon, how have you you know, as a businessman, adopted to that, uh, sorry, adapted to that? How have you managed to kind of, you know, roll with it and still, you know, adapt and mold your, whatever your business model is into still actually making progress? Firstly, I think you've obviously just got to keep up. You've got to be following potentially news sites or social media outlets where you're getting this updated information. So like even simple things like a, as a business owner, if the Facebook algorithm changes, I need to know about it because it affects how I promote my message and how I communicate to people. So that's the first thing. Um, looking at trends and, and business um, analysis. So what are people doing? How do they want to digest content? How do they want to purchase things? You know, when we look at um, just even buying something off a website because of the age of technology, um, forced simplicity in design, we ended up getting used to a website like well, click, one click buy, and it's literally being delivered tomorrow. And, you know, if your website is taking three, four, five pages to check out and you're having to re-enter information, then you need to adapt to that. So it is about keeping up. Like, like there's no word of a lie that business is tough. Like, let's not beat around the bush. Like, there's a lot that I have to keep up with. Now, I'm fortunate that I have a very well-trained team now and they help me keep up or we keep up as a whole together as a unit. But, you know, it's about standing back again and, and looking at the problem. Like if your or mine business declined, we have to stand back and say, well, why is that? Is our message not getting out there? Is our product too cheap or too costly? Is our service not as good as is our competitors? And it's, it's the same outcome or approach with looking at the human body. If I want to change my body, lose fat, build muscle, increase performance, I have to stand back, look at the problems, look at the steps that got me to that problem state, look at rewinding and recreating better habits around those problems, 
and then moving forward and maybe innovating on the problem. And for me, the approach is, is very, very similar, but it takes time. And this is where, you know, there's times where I shut myself off from the world, like uh, on a Sunday, I traditionally have two hours to myself on a Sunday where I get up at like six in the morning and from six to late, I just I just look at my business like what's going right? What's going wrong? Am I happy? You know, and I do the same with my body. Mm. Very interesting. Yeah. And you've obviously used the uh, the mental discipline and the resilience that you had to obtain, you know, losing, losing, transforming your body and life to your business, right? It seems like you've managed to, as you said, you do the same with your body, right? Yeah, I think from an early age, I was exposed to the positive uh, influence of discipline. So mm. I grew up in a military school. Oh, and right. I did, in all fairness, fight the system the whole way through, like I was a very rebellious person. And that was probably because they were getting me to do a lot of things that I didn't like doing or I just didn't enjoy. Um, but I saw the value of discipline. So when the school said to me, oh, are you going to do your homework between 6 and 8 p.m. at night? And then from 6 p.m., uh, sorry, from 8 p.m. till 10 p.m., you've got downtime. You can go downstairs, play pool, chill with your mates. And having that structured discipline meant I was very successful at school in that I got a lot of stuff done. Don't get me wrong. There were areas of school I failed miserably. Crap at maths, crap at science, crap at English, all that stuff. But discipline in my routine showed me what could be done. My homework was always done because guess what? Between six and eight, I actually did it. And don't get me wrong, there were loads of kids that didn't do their homework. But I still plan my day out the same. Like I look at my day now and I'm like, right, when am I preparing my food? When am I going to the gym? When am I going out with my wife for dinner? When am I doing my work? When am I taking my dog to the vet? Like all of this stuff is in my diary. So when it's in the diary and I've committed to the discipline of doing the work, the work gets done. Mm. No excuses, no no procrastinating. Because that's one of my, I mentioned on the uh, my last podcast, like one of the things I, I, I'm, one of my weaknesses, if you like, is just, you know, procrastination and, and not always getting shit done. So I was going to ask you, when you put those things in your diary, do you literally put the time slots, yeah? So you'll schedule in the times. Yeah, definitely. And mm. I think the key thing is there is turn your phone. Mm. Like my phone is off 80% of my of my day um, or it's at least off like Wi-Fi mode. So I'm not getting notifications and stuff. But, you know, my phone has no Facebook notifications, no Instagram, no nothing. I have to go and check anything manually. Mm. Usually I will procrastinate in my life when it's time to stop working anyway. Mm -hmm. So if my body, my brain is looking for an excuse to go and play or explore or just just kind of be a little bit mindless about it. It's usually because I've already done enough work and the day is done and my mind just wants to sort of play and evolve. But if I'm procrastinating at nine o'clock in the morning on social media when I should be doing my work, I've fundamentally got to shift my environment. I've also got to ask myself, am I motivated to do what I've planned to do? Like if I'm getting up in the morning and I should be having Skype meetings with three clients, for example, and I'm not motivated to be there, then I need to question my values in my business. Like why am I coaching clients on Skype if I'm not even enjoying it? So all of this stuff has to be picked apart. But, you know, again, I have very strict rules around my business to get things done so that things get done. Mm. 
Mm, absolutely. I'm just going to have to get my phone outside there, mate, because, I mean, I'm improving on it now, but uh, I think that is actually the solution. I don't know why I've never done that. It's obviously, as you mentioned, with social media, it's just an addiction, right? So um, I was just going to say uh, one more thing then. Yeah, so at the moment, you're actually... Well, these are, remember, it's, on, Facebook's... Well, it's Facebook's job to make their platform as addictive as possible. Mm-hmm. So I know that if I go onto Facebook to do one thing... I will rarely do just one thing because Facebook is there to make me scroll and explore and do things. So I literally just have a very strict rule of do not go on Facebook apart from this half an hour a day. And when you go on for this half an hour a day, you're going to do this stuff and then you can scroll and then you can play or whatever. And then it goes off. And there's even timers and apps that you can get on Facebook to make sure that your Facebook is only available between certain times of the day. Mm. There's even apps that you can get that hide your news feed so you can't even go onto it. Why? Because the human brain wants to explore and play and procrastinate and see things, and Facebook knows that. So sometimes it's not about having the self-discipline to say, oh, I'm only going to go on 10 minutes. Uh, Facebook for 10 minutes is having the discipline to not open Facebook at all because you know what happens. You get sucked it's in. It's like not exactly right. a box of donuts. Like, I'm not going to yeah. buy a box of donuts because I want to eat one. So mm. don't buy the fucking donuts. <laughs> the same principle. That's exactly right. And I was going to say to you again then, that was exactly what you said was in that book, Irresistible. Very good book, folks. Honestly, I would uh, recommend listening to it. But yeah, they say that exactly the same thing. The algorithm is all actually programmed for you to want more. So like you were saying about donuts, that's the analogy they used. You have, you see one person's uh, post and then boom, you want another, you want another, you want another. Before you know it, that's another half hour gone, <laughs> which you'll never get back. So uh, yeah, spot on, mate. So um, yeah, I was just going to say, uh, moving on to your art. Oh, I was going to ask you, intervene actually, and ask you, you're still actually coaching uh, clients online as, as a personal trainer, or is that more, what is it you're doing exactly, if you don't want me asking now, uh, online on a, on, a, you know, on, a, on a client level? I have a program called Fat Loss for Life. It's oh, yeah. a 90-day transformation program where I basically take people through three phases um, of their body and mind evolution. So we spend uh, a month taking people through diet and training, understanding it, making it fit their regime, their goals, all that kind of stuff. Phase two is about shifting people's mindset, lifting their self-limiting beliefs, conquering their fears, all that kind of stuff. And then phase three is about teaching them how to be kind of an everyday athlete, like improving their performance, understanding calories better, all that kind of stuff. So it's it's kind of like a semi-coached program. There's a massive journey that people go on. Like they'll get an email from me for um, 90 days every day. Um, and there's contact with me in the Facebook group and that kind of stuff. And it's basically, you know, I said to myself, right, I've been coaching for 10 years now. What process do I keep taking the client through? And it was through this process. So I built it into a system, programmed it into an app and all that kind of stuff. So that's my only way to be coached by me in terms of nutrition and training. Mm. Yeah. And on based on what you were saying there, so my position right now is is I'm actually trying to build an online business myself. And my friend and I actually, I have to shout my friend out. He actually helped me out with a lot of these questions. I'm not going to lie. Um, Andrew, Andrew Bond, his name is, and, uh, he's, he's a massive fan. He's the one who actually introduced me to podcasts and, and yours was the first podcast he listened to. And him and I have both been, I've been a personal trainer for probably about 12 years now. And he's, he's not far behind both. Um, you know, got a lot of experience in the fitness industry and we're actually looking at doing, uh, online coaching ourselves now. So we're putting a load of content into a website, basically all sorts of things. Um, you know, recipes 
lots of lots of exercises and whatnot and then we're just gonna yeah try and try and get into the into the one-to-one stuff and, and go from there really and just try and add give people lots of free content and add lots of value first and, and see where we go so i was going to ask you and um, what advice would you have for someone like myself and my mate andrew uh, who are who are going to look to progress with like an online business and you know like for example my podcast as well um i'm going to be totally transparent here like my podcast i'm probably this is the 46th episode now and it's, it's been growing very slowly because i kind of dived into it which is what i do a lot of the time ben and uh you seem very smart about your approach so uh i'm going off on a bit of a tangent here so yeah any any advice you have for someone like uh, you know, get for me who's looking to get into building an online fitness business. So probably similar advice to what we've been discussing in this trend of this this podcast today is you know is be methodical and be strategic about it. So someone wants to run an online business, someone wants to transform their body. Okay, awesome. What does the end goal kind of look like? No one's going to know what the end goal 100% looks like because it's just going to change. It's going to shift. It's going to morph a little bit. So what does the end goal look like? Okay, so what is the end goal from a business perspective for the user? Okay, you want to change people's bodies and minds. Okay, what kind of system or program or process might that look like? So when I look to build fat loss for life, for example, I thought in my head that I had this perfect, amazing system. And actually, through being in business a while, even if you think you've got the perfect system, know that you haven't. Know that it's just a lie that you tell yourself. Mm -hmm. So instead of believing my own bullshit, I tested my system and I wasn't going to release it 100% till it was fully tested. So I ran my program for eight weeks as a live program. And then I got to the end of it. And I'm like, wow, what do I want to change? And I was like, shit, I want to change a lot. So I changed a lot. And then I ran it again. And then I ran it again. And I ended up running my program for 18 months before I actually sort of like, you know, closed the door and said, right, this is the actual process. So be really methodical. Like, we're great at getting ideas and diving headfirst and the digital era means that we can set things up pretty easy. Like you can now set up a podcast on an app called Anchor in literally a minute and be distributing it to the world. Like it's just so easy, but it doesn't make it right. And sometimes it is good to just dive in and test it and explore. But when you're going to spend time and money building like a membership area or a program or a system or a formula, you really need to test it, then test it again, then test it again, and then seal the door and then say, right, this is kind of my program. So that would kind of be in my advice. Obviously, also look at, you know, competitors, price point, the value that you're going to give the customer, all of that stuff. Hmm. Great. And uh, I was just going to ask you, I'm getting a bit selfish now. This is turning into a, uh, like I'm just trying to steal uh, knowledge off you, Ben, here. <laughs> nah. Um, I think it's going to benefit some of the listeners. But um, yeah, like for example, the podcast, I have this podcast now and my goal initially was just, right, okay, um, I'm equipped now with a lot of knowledge. I've got some contacts. I'm just going to go in. I'm going to just try and give as much value and content as I can. I hopefully want to monetize it by creating training programs, like specialized training programs. However, I'm, I was fully aware that obviously the, the, the industry is, is saturated, but I mean, what industry isn't nowadays online? Um, so yeah, so... I mean, in terms of the way you've done it, you actually had, I guess, off the bat, you actually had a rough idea in terms of how you were going to monetize your podcast and stuff or? 
No, my, my podcast uh, literally in the last three weeks has been monetized, but it hasn't been monetized for five and a half years. So I launched my product podcast because I wanted to get my message out there. I wanted to build my brand. I wanted people to know me. I wanted people to trust me, value my advice. So I never had any monetization strategy. Uh, it's not. It's only because podcasting started to become uh, serious real estate, and the UK kind of uh, digital economy has started to realise it as a as a as a serious medium. And I got approached by Global Radio, and I have recently signed a contract with Global Radio to distribute my podcast through their platforms and uh, be be part of their ecosystem. That's awesome, mate. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, that kind of clears that up, and. Yeah, that kind of clears the next question up as well. And actually, I wanted to just uh, skim over one of the podcasts you've done recently. I'm aware of the time here, by the way, Max. I know we've got about 15 minutes. Um, yeah, I was going to mention about, for example, one of your saying that sticks out in my mind, Ben. Right? Is uh, for some reason when I'm whenever I'm doing anything, you know what it's like. Certain information you absorb and it just sticks in your head, and it's really starting to kind of um, it's, it's starting to hit home, and I'm starting to realize actually. So. For example, like just my, my, one of my weaknesses is organization, right? Being organized and structured with my life. You know, I, I, I've got away with it to a certain point, but now it's like I've got this podcast. I've kind of got a few things going on as well as being, you know, uh, a PT as well, you know, doing 30 odd hours and you know the hours out and social as well. So being organized is very important for me now. And there's a, a quote, how you do anything is how you do everything. And that's something that has resonated with me because I'm like, I notice whenever I'm getting sloppy with things, for example, like you mentioned, you actually had a whole podcast episode on it, a short one, talking about uh, cleaning your house, you know, clean your house. <laughs> Basically, that, I think that was a podcast episode. And I thought, yeah, like, because I notice if I start slipping, like, for example, my house starts getting messy um, and I just start getting really kind of lackadaisy about things, then I turn up a little bit late for clients and I find it all just that quote seems to stick out in my head. So... How important is it to keep on top of things like cleaning your house and those kind of things, which could potentially bleed into your everyday life? Well, I think you've already summarized it. I think you've answered your own question. Yeah. Um, like anything, I think there's a pattern of energy. So if I think about, like, even if I go back to my friends at school, the guys that were messy and kept their dorm room really messy were basically messy with their work. They didn't get their homework in on time. They were always making excuses. And all the kids that, you know, would fold their clothes, make their bed, do all that kind of stuff, got their homework done on time, stuck to their schedule, had a, a you know, a certain amount of uh, discipline and, uh, and, and self a belief in the process uh, as a result of that so you know if I get up in the morning and I'm like oh my god my house is a tip I kind of feels like my brain is a tip so I might do the washing up I might straighten the cushions and I'm like right things feel like they're in order now my brain feels like they're in order now I can look at my day and my tasks and what's happening and I feel like I'm in order but as soon as some things start to get a little bit disheveled and feel unorganized and out of place. I feel that energy seeps into other areas of your, of your, of your, of your life. So for me, I, you know, I have a routine where I'm like, right, let's check my environment. Am I happy? No. Right. Cool. Get my shit together. Tidy up. Boom. In the game. Simple. Great stuff. Um, I'm going to have to listen to this podcast again, Ben, to be honest, to uh, get my notepad out. Um, I was just going to say, yeah, the next one is, is basically currently what would you say are the biggest threats right because especially with the fitness industry as i said it's you know it's 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 very much saturated now and 
Um, what do you think are the biggest threats, you know, for, for your business at the moment or in the future? Is there anything in particular or any kind of trends or whatnot? Yeah, it will be a lack of innovation. So because of the digital age, everything's moving quickly. How we consume social media, the platforms we use, the apps we use, buying behavior, all of that stuff is moving really, really quickly. So if I don't innovate, if I don't stay on top of things, if I don't have a quality product, then I will, you know, I will lose in business. So I have to stay abreast of all of that stuff. And I know this because it, it's, it's already happened. I, I didn't innovate quickly enough, like competitors in our market with one of our products saw what we were doing and made a better product and, and we lost. So that, that's the biggest thing really, but it's always going to come down to quality of product. Quality of product will always shine through any form of, um, of innovation. So like if you just think about your local town, Think about the restaurant that people love or the bar that people love or the cafe that you know people love. They're probably not innovating. They're probably not doing anything madly different. They're probably just you know, doing great food with a great atmosphere, with great staff, with a great product. And you keep going back there. So sometimes it is about making sure that your product is, is the best. And sometimes that does involve innovation um, to some degree. But if you cover all the bases with your product, I think, you know, you'll be around for many years to come. Mm. And what were your biggest errors, Ben? What were your biggest, would you say, mistakes along this path? I didn't realize you've been podcasting for that long, for like five and a half years. So you've been in the digital game for a while. What are your biggest mistakes, mate, along the way? Ooh. Yeah. Probably becoming too attached to pieces of work that I've already uh, had already done. So mm. maybe not innovating because I didn't want to, you know, like I grew a lot of my brand on Facebook and through podcasting. But then Instagram became really hot and everyone was using Instagram. And I was like, but I've got 60,000 followers on Facebook. Like I, <laughs> like I want to use that more. But the reality was Facebook was, you know, kind of. You know, it was really hard to reach people on Facebook. So I should have, you know, reacted quicker and not been so precious about all the hard work that I'd already put in. Because the reality is hard work is always needed in the business. That energy and the way that you apply that hard work just keeps kind of shifting, especially with the digital age. Um, and second to that would be, you know, hire people slowly. Uh, you know, I've built a team of amazing people now, but I went through you know, a really tough 18 months where I hired bad people, made the wrong decisions, put money in the wrong places. And it took me pretty much 18 months to get out of it. So some bad decisions took a long time to, to really undo themselves. Mm. Yeah. And it's funny because there's another podcast I listen to. Um, it's called Mind Pump Media. And I really, really look up to that one. It's a, they're out in America, fitness guys. And they said exactly the same thing about YouTube. And I can, I can, it's like, there's so many different platforms, Ben, right? It's like, it's so hard to, cause you've immersed yourself into obviously the podcast game, Facebook. Whereas myself, it was with the fitness modeling stuff and the bodybuilding and whatnot. It was all just Instagram trying to build a modeling profile. And then I realized, you know, I got to like lots of different, lots of followers, you know, thousands of followers, um, maybe over 30,000 at one point. And I thought to myself, Oh, okay. When it comes to building a business, though, it's getting attention is one thing, right? And Instagram's easy for that. But building a business is something else altogether, right? So if someone's going to listen to you on your podcast for an hour or so talking, uh, and they're going to come back round and they're going to continue to listen, then obviously they're, they're going to be interested in what you've got to say. Whereas I think Instagram is, is a lot easier to get attention on things like that. So, uh, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so going to the, uh, the the epidemic we're facing right now, like we're we're facing an obesity epidemic and an age of, of chronic illness, and you know it's a worrying time we're living in right now. Also, with like you know people with postural issues and even kids, I've started noticing um, nowadays. Again, we're talking a lot about technology here, but you know it, it relates to that and uh, it can be stemmed from it. So, yeah, what? Um, what what are your thoughts on it on on where we're at right now with the uh, obesity epidemic and and how do you think think times are going to be now going forward because uh, it's only getting worse right? It is. I mean that is obviously a, an absolutely massive question and you you know yeah, you could spend is. hours on it. What yeah. I want to impress on people and it's been a theme for this podcast as well is that we're all in control of our own outcomes. So let's not complain about like what is and the state of play and you know we're all in control of our bodies we're all in control of the way that we think we're in control of things like our posture and our pain to a degree i get i get 100% that some people have got you know worse situations than others but you can always make your own situation better so if you're overweight if you're fatigued if your business is suffering if your career's on the decline if your relationship is crap like stand back do some work, turn off the world for half a day and say, right, I've got this list of problems. How can I go and solve them? And one step forward today is one step forward today. And tomorrow I'll make one step forward. And whether it's with your body or your career or your relationship, it will be the most valuable step you make. Mm. But I genuinely believe people are going to work, you know, that they're working hard, they're medicating themselves with social media. We all say we've got no time, but most of that time is sat you know, on a phone or in a front of a TV and all that kind of stuff. And we do have time. We're just not using it properly. And one of the reasons I spend a massive amount of my day with my phone and my computer turned off is because I get things done. Like I've got all the time in the world, realistically, to go to the gym, play rugby, go out for dinner with my girlfriend, get a wife, sorry, get, you know, all this stuff done because I'm not filling my time with random shit that I don't need to. Don't get me wrong, I'm still consuming podcasts, reading books, you know, looking at social media, but I choose those times when I do it and I'm quite diligent about those times because I know the outcome. If I'm not diligent with those time slots, I lose time and then I get frustrated at the end of the week because I haven't had enough time to read that book that I wanted to or spend enough time with my wife or, you know, go running or walk my dog or whatever. So I think we're all in control but we genuinely need to give more attention to our problems and not moaning about our problems and just sitting there on the phone or in front of TV. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And let's talk about one of your books. Uh, It's only only two more questions now, but um, yeah, one of your books, awesome, how to be an awesome personal trainer. And I heard one of your, one of your podcasts, I don't know whether it was a recent one or not, but you were talking about when you first started out as a trainer and you looked up to your, your, your lad, Tom, and how he, you know, really put his clients first and genuinely cared about them and stuff. And that is my approach nowadays over the last few years since listening to your podcast and one or two others. I've really evolved massively as a personal trainer. Yeah, so I was just going to ask you, what, how, how important is it to put people first and actually, you know, put your clients first and stuff and just in everyday life? Well, we become a personal trainer to help people. So if we're not putting those people first, the reality is we're doing a crap job. And I wrote that book because I realized I was doing a crap job. Like I wanted to help people, but I was still too involved in my own journey, my own progress, my own 
abs, muscles, fat, all the rest of it. And that wasn't making me have this 100% shift to a client-centered business. And it wasn't until I uh, got into this gym and I watched this guy, uh, Tom Cowan, who starts off the introduction to my book. And I was like, why is this guy a successful personal trainer? Because he's a you know, in my head, I was like, this guy's, you know, not great. Like, he's not doing these things like standing on the Swiss ball and handstand push-ups and stuff. And I was like, well, hang on. He's caring about his client. That's why he's getting great results. He might not be using the world's most perfect method, which is completely subjective anyway. He's just caring for his client and they feel truly valued and they're on a rewarding journey because they're listening because they feel like they've got that support. And I wasn't there being my client's cheerleader and doing the right things for them. And that's why I wasn't a good enough personal trainer. And I was fortunate that I had enough self-awareness to stand back and analyze it and then go on a real journey that made me a great coach at the end of it. Great stuff. Thanks a lot, Ben. You uh, you covered everything there. You covered the last one. So, um, yeah, where can people find you, Ben, on uh, on the socials or whatever? Yeah, so the name is Ben Coomber, C-O-O-M-B-E-R. So if you type that into Google, you'll get loads of cool stuff. We've brought up my podcast a few times. My podcast is Ben Coomber Radio. Uh, there's over 360-odd episodes now. So there's a lot of information there for people to digest. I'm Ben Coomber all over social media. Um, Facebook tends to be kind of quite educational stuff. Instagram is a is a mixture of educational and inspirational, kind of a bit more personal, a bit more musings. But, you know, if you want to find stuff, everyone's got a website. My website is bencoomba.com. Um, so, yeah, if you've enjoyed what I've said today, go and have a look around and see if there's something that you like. Thanks very much, Ben. Once again, I really appreciate your time, buddy. Mate, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure and hopefully people have taken some real value and things that they can act on today. I have no doubt they will, mate. Thanks again, man.